It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We have another very worthwhile edition in store and appreciate your taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. And we are happy to have with us Russell Shields, President and CEO of RoadDB. But he's got a lot more extensive background than that, an entrepreneur who's founded, grown, and sold, I think, eight companies, was a pioneer <laughs> at Navtech and more. Thank you so much for being here, Russ. Thanks, Fred. I'm really glad to have a chance to talk with you and Helene. Um, yeah. Elaine and I go back decades <laughs> we go in back. these things. And Absolutely. We, we both are believers that there will be automated driving sometime. And my sometime may be a little longer than Elaine's, but um, it's going to happen. Uh, my, my concentration is on what I would call series production vehicles. Those are vehicles that we buy, consumer vehicles, whether you call it a pickup truck or a van or a car, they're all things that are made as production vehicles that you can buy for widespread use um, in, across the country, um, or around the world, over the borders, if you're in Europe or what have you. Those vehicles will have automated driving system products sometime. None of them have it yet. Um, Tesla Autopilot is certainly not an automated driving system at this point. Um, GM Super Cruise is, in my view, more of what I would want in an automated driving product because it's careful and it makes sure I pay attention and I do my things, but it is not an automated driving product. Uh, it has just been announced in the last few months um, by interestingly enough, Honda, that they're gonna be the first one to have an approved automated driving product on the market. By the end of this month in Japan, they will be the first to implement the recently approved ALKS regulation by the UN World Forum of Har Harmonization of Vehicle Regulations that allows true hands-off, eyes-off, automated driving up to 60 kilometers an hour on expressways. Uh, previously, Companies like Audi announced that they were going to have such a product, but Audi has, was never able to release it because it didn't have some of the features that are wanted and recently announced that they've given up and it will not be brought out. Mercedes has announced that later on this year, they will implement a similar thing. The, this regulation is something that anybody who is interested in automated driving for regular passenger vehicles should look at very carefully because even though its first stage is 60 kilometers an hour on expressways, no lane change, nothing besides stay in your lane, it has in it what I believe are going to be the core of all regulations for automated driving systems going forward. It has the rules for how you monitor a driver. It has rules for what kind of data the automated driving system has to keep to know what's going on. It has rules on how to do turnover. It has rules for what is called a minimum risk maneuver, MRM, um, one of these great regulatory terms of art. And that there is underway um, in the UN, in Geneva, a strong effort that is going to extend this regulation step-by-step to allow lane change, to allow highway speeds, to eventually allow driving 
off highways, all with a careful structure that will be safe. It's very, to me, it's important that this regulation and this approach makes no difference between SAE level three or SAE level four. It is not a relevant consideration for the regulation. The regulation is here is what you do. Um, here is how you do it. You have to define an ODD, operational um, design domain that says where your ADS product works. And then you have to execute it according to that. And um, I believe that this is where things are going to go. Um, the regulators in all of the world, all the major countries, are strongly participating in this effort. Um, as part of this effort, there are subgroups on functional requirements. There's subgroups for validation. There's subgroups for the DSSAD, the uh, driver storage system for automated driving. There's subgroups that will be the transition for existing ADA systems. Um, and in those, there's full participation. Some of the leadership is from Europe, some's from China, some's from Japan, and some is from the US. The US um, National Highway Traffic, Traffic Safety Agency, NHTSA, is a strong direct participation in this effort. And these are going to set the ground rules for how uh, the future automated driving systems go. So- You know, it's gonna come to as news to a lot of people that the UN has any involvement at all on, in this issue. Uh, so tell us a little about that and, and you have some involvement too, right? Um, well, we'll go, many people have heard about something called the Vienna Convention. That got lots of publicity around the automated driving world um, that basically says the driver shall always be in control of his vehicle or his horse. Um, slightly updated over time. There was actually a previous Geneva Convention, uh, I mean, G Geneva Convention, that um, says basically the same thing. And many of the countries are parties to the Vienna Convention. The US is not a party to the Vienna Convention because the Vienna Convention is around type approval type structures and the U.S. Uh, NHTSA regulations are self-certification. The Geneva Convention is um, what the U.S. is a party to and has essentially the same rules. The, these conventions, as a start, are created as by organizations that are um, organized and handled by the U.N., ECE. ECE stands for Economic Commission for Europe, was set up for the Marshall Plan in 1948. Um, and as all good government authorities, doesn't go away and found new life. And it has a number of existing lives. It's still um, headquartered in the old League of Nations building in Geneva. And it is the UN agency for transport. Um, within that, there is WP1, Working Party 1, that is the organization of what will be called in the UN terms, member states, countries, for traffic rules. And WP1 is the one responsible for the uh, Vienna Convention and the, and the Geneva Convention. And it continues to work on upgrading traffic rules and has working on major efforts towards how um, pieces of automated driving uh, can be supported. Another part was more recent, didn't come in until the mid fifties, was the World Forum for Harmonization of Vehicle Regulations. It's another one of the UN 
um, ECE working parties. It's, this one is WP.29. Anybody who's interested, go to Google, type in WP.29 and search, and you will go get uh, a really good web website with all kinds of material, uh, everything that you ever thought you would want to know about regulations. So within this organization, um, there are a number of, of op pieces. Um, some of them do um, regulations for emissions. Some of them do regulations for tires. Some of them do regulations for uh, motorcycles or trucks, other kinds of vehicles. Uh, recently, about now, almost three years ago, um, one of the groups was reorganized and renamed to be the, uh, in French terms, since Geneva is still a French-speaking area, uh, the UN, um, group reporter um, automated vehicles, GRVA, vehicle automation. Um, and its official name is um, Connected and Autonomous um, Vehicles. And in that, that's where this recent regulation 157 for the ALKS um, was put out. They also recently put out regulation 155 on cybersecurity and 156 on software updates over the air, two of the essential things that are needed for uh, the efforts on where we will go to have safe and secure automated driving in um, passenger vehicles. Another part of the UN across the street is something that is called the ITU. Um, was originally the International Tele Telegraph Union. Um, it was founded in the 1840s and they have some great um, pictures, graphs and everything of what the telegraph tables were in 1860 and things like that. Really, really a nice place to go see. But it is also in Geneva across the street from UNECE. And again, as a, a good government agency, it's expanded. It's now um, the International Telecommunications Union, but it also is now the UN agency for ICT, Information and Computer Technology. Um, so that's where people like me, who's a software guy, um, are, start in the work that we're doing. And in that, one of the things that is um, a serious effort is the ITU, UN, Collaboration on ITS Communication Standards. Um, that is the central body that tries to interface around the world with standards for communications um, that are related to ITS. And I happen to be chair of that committee. Um, and as that, um, I'm a, a representative of ITU in the World Forum for Harmonization Vehicle Regulations, providing the uh, actual ICT type background along with other colleagues that are working on things that are part of it. We have some very good focus groups on automated driving and other things that are part of the, the UN. And um, again, if you uh, are interested, um, and Al Elaine has been a speaker before, we have the Future Network Car Symposium that will be March 21st to 24th of this month. You can go look up FNC 2021 and find links to that. And that will have a three-hour discussion of the regulation parts, a three-hour discussion on cybersecurity, a three-hour discussion on where, where we're going in automated driving, and a three-hour discussion um, that I'm moderator of for how communications will be used in automated vehicles. Um, it is now about the, I don't remember, 12th, 13th year or so that we've done this. We used, until last year, we did it at the time of the Geneva Motor Show, but 
right now there's no Geneva Motor Show, so it's being done done remotely. But um, if you're all interested in these areas, please tune in and it will give you a really good overview of what's going on in the regulatory environment for automated driving. And it includes people on the program from NHTSA, from Germany, from the European Commission, from China, from Japan, uh, that will provide very good overviews and information about how the regulatory environment works. Now, that's a very long-winded answer, Fred. Well, I was going to I was going to ask you, Russ, for the sake of the audience here, uh, tell us about the the work that you're doing at at RoadDB. What its role is here? Um, that that's not very interesting. Mostly, um, we're just working on how you do um, the uh, road data for automated driving, which is completely and utterly different from what we did when we did NAFTEC. Um, for a vehicle um, doing automated driving, it wants to see what's ahead of itself. It's a view looking out, um, basically a computer-aided design type um, layout of the road. Um, navigation maps, traditional maps going back, are essentially a view from above. You basically are looking down and you see these lines, links, and nodes as they were called. So it's a major, there's a major revolution, um, again, on how mapping will work in vehicles. Um, you'll continue to have your navigation stuff, but um, <coughs> as we work towards how we know um, exactly where the car is and how the car knows what's ahead of it. Um, those are those are things that probably by 2030 will have reasonably working well. And you've, I've read that you, you've said uh, with RoadDB that uh, by 2028, you expect this company to have a valuation of $10 billion. Is it? I think I think that's what you'd what I read online. Um, so this is, you're going to be a major player, obviously. Well, remember, Russ has been a major player. Right. And, no, remember, know, I mean, with another company. Yes. Remember, Navtech, our mapping company, which had a much easier job than this, was sold for $8.1 billion yep. cash to Nokia. Um, and and uh, Russ, that's, I mean. that's, we're, these are, these are uh, still trivial valuations in comparison to all of the valuations for LIDAR and automated yeah. driving vehicles and what have you. So um, with yeah, the kind of valuations now, Navtech probably would have been a 25 or $30 billion SPAC. Uh, but Russ, you have to admit that, that, that all that information is going to be super absolutely critical to being able to to do this this automated driving because everything of automated driving is anticipating what's coming ahead and not crashing and you've got to know when you when you're going to have to start alerting the driver you're going to have to know when when the odd is about to collapse on you and you have to whatever and all that and 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 geez, uh, you know, the digital map database, whatever the heck that thing ends up being, is, is critical to that. Correct. Am I, do it, I have it wrong here? I don't yeah, think I have Of course. It wrong. Haven't you listened to Elon Musk? He's very clear. He doesn't need LIDAR and he doesn't need maps. Just well, uh, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think he may not need lidar. I think. I, th I think. Oh he maps. no! I don't no, know. no, he doesn't have maps, and he's been very clear. Well, he doesn't uh, doesn't need maps. So in the last year or so, he sort of backtracked a little. Yeah, but there I mean, are there are great public statements that. He, do, he doesn't need maps. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah. I, I think he suggested that, but that's that's absolutely silly. I mean, uh, the, the current current um, autopilot doesn't use maps in its driving at this point. Yeah, it's because he doesn't have an ODD. Okay. No, he has an he, ODD. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, he just basically says, uh, you know, it's up to you. You turn on whenever you're, you, you want, and it's you, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work the hell with you. 
I yeah. mean, he's to, he's totally taken himself out of that. He's put the total responsibility on on the on the poor sucker that bought the yeah, bought the vehicle. Yeah, let's let's not go too far yeah. in Tesla. Well, Sorry I mean, to bring it up because yeah, no, that, that the 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 mainstream car companies, um, the ones you know, whether it's yeah. Volkswagen or GM or Toyota, what have you, are going to do it carefully. Absolutely, uh, and they have to, because if they don't do it carefully, guess what? Nobody's going to buy them. Uh, you know, the business is going to be, uh, it, it just isn't going to be there. It's, it's, it's never going to flourish. You know, yeah. it's, it's going to fall under its own, um, you know, ineptitude. Right. And, and of course, if, if say GM had the accidents that Tesla has, they'd probably be out of business. Um, but that's, that may, <laughs> that may, that may be a true, a true statement, they're, they're, uh, but, but they're going to be careful. They're responsible. And the people that I know who are working for ADS systems in the mainstream vehicle manufacturers understand that while they're actually controlling the car within its ODD, that they are fully responsible, that they have liability for it, um, that um, they have their own insurance for handling cases where an accident happened that was their fault. Uh, these are uh, just built into the thinking for the the large major vehicle manufacturers. And it has to be built into that thinking because, in fact, they're going to get dragged in. And, and in a sense, if there's any substantial amount of this, as you say, uh, you know, uh, the whole ranch is sitting there on the table and they're going to lose it. Uh, and, and, and to me, it's, it's, it's absolutely clear that they have to be. And, and, um, but let me, let me go back and it, sort of at the beginning a hair. Um, you know, it's hands off, eyes off, feet off. Why isn't it also butt in? Why, why haven't, why haven't they demanded as much as giving you the opportunity to take your eyes off, your hands off and your feet off that your butt remains in the driver's seat? The regulation that I mentioned, UN regulation 157 explicitly requires driver monitoring and explicitly requires that the driver is physically present um, properly seated in the driver's seat. Excellent. So when we describe it, okay, and don't use the, as you know, I, I totally, uh, you know, don't like the SAE, uh, whatever the levels and so on, simply because they don't, they don't make clear both what the opportunity and the responsibilities are in these modes. So that if, in fact, we're talking about a, a product, that we all go out and buy, that I think we all want to go out and buy, that allows us to take our hands off, allows us to take our eyes off, allows us to take our feet off. It should also tell us your butt remains there. And that okay. is and it that has is the regulation. Say, it it has to say it has to say it. It has to say it. They can't just, you know, somehow whatever, because guess what the person's going to do? They're going to hop in the back seat the first chance they get. The, the regulation okay. requires just, the vehicle manufacturer to monitor the driver and make sure that he is there seated properly in the driver. He or she. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and that, that is a critical piece because yeah. I think if you go out and ask the perception of the normal per, or of the average person or whatever the heck that is that goes into a showroom with that. They're all about taking their hands off. They're all about taking their eyes off. They're all about taking their feet off. And they're probably dreaming about taking their butts off. Yeah, well, and, and they have to be told. They have to be told from the beginning. That is just a no-go. Right. And that is a no-go. The car will turn off. It will pull over to the side and it will say, call your, call your mommy if you want to get home. Okay? Because we're not taking you home. No, you got to get, you got to be in the driver's seat and go drive yourself. Absolutely. But I and, think I, I, I'm, you know, it's, 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 it almost seems like a trivial thing, 
But the problem is that the perception and then what you get in the Sunday supplement and what you see in da da and you see the jokester going down and who wants a, you know, 15 seconds of fame in Twitter, Twatter or whatever the hell the damn thing's called. What do they do? They hop in the backseat. Yeah. And okay. that's unfortunate. And, and, and that's partially a con- contribution of Elon Musk and what he's talked about that has created this problem. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's stupid summon. Oh my goodness. I can control my car from my phone outside my car. Oh, but you're only supposed in the print. It says only on your property, only on your property. We don't care if you run over, you know, something in your garage with it or whatever. Only that what's the first thing a person can do. Oh, let me try it here. Oh, let me take it out of the Costco law or let me, uh, you know, I mean, and it kills it. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it, is it a problem of the way it's described and, and put before the public more than the technology itself? Because I guess the technology itself can help to keep people safe. Absolutely. I, I, you agree with that one, right? Or... Yeah, but the, Fred, it, it's hard on this stuff. People, people don't understand these things. And I, I'll give you a good example. We started in Navtech in early days, and we worked or working towards providing um, the ability, as we would call it, voice guidance, route guidance. And early days, various of the car companies did um, with us um, consumer focus groups. They brought in people um, who were thinking about purchasing new vehicles. And they explained to them about navigation, how, how the car could know where it was and tell them where to go. And we also explained to them about traffic information. And uniformly, the public thought, gee, traffic information, we want that. That's great. All-knowing computer, um, it knows um, what's going on in the traffic and tell me what to go. And they just, even after we took them out, and we did demos where it drove the car and it told them where to turn and things like that. They still were pretty skeptical. And they all said they'd pay much more for the traffic information than they would for the route guidance. Um, the reality is, of course, um, even to today, we still don't have traffic information that's all that good. Uh, still has plenty of problems. And nobody pays anything for it. Uh, it's free. You still, if you're using navigation in your car you're still paying for it as a product so what what consumers think is an issue and it gets worse in the dealers i'll give you another good story in early days um, bmw was um, launch customer for navtech Um, we worked with them well took took years and worked these things out there's many stories about that but about two years after um, we'd launched um, the navigation system. I went into the local um, highfalutin BMW dealer here in downtown Chicago who made a fortune selling, selling his high-end Beamers um, and to buy a new 5 Series, which was actually now more than 20 years ago, the last car I bought. But we specified, I went in there with my wife, and we specified that we wanted the navigation system. And the salesman spent his entire time trying to talk us out. We don't want a navigation system. That's, that's stupid. It doesn't work. It's a waste of money. Why don't you buy the, sky, the <laughs> skylight and other things? And literally, I ended up having to go find the manager, tell him to throw the salesperson out, and go order the car we wanted. But, and, and I can tell you from years of working um, on trying to explain navigation system, trying to get with car companies, trying to get their dealer people to understand and sell the products and what have you, uh, never works. And now um, you go buy a car and it's got some nice, good ATIS features, maybe um, blind spot warning and uh, lane um, centering and stuff like that. And the dealer, the, the salesmen have no idea how it works. They can't explain it. They can't tell you what's going on. 
we have a really, really serious problem on educating people on what the technology is in their cars. And we'll, uh, I don't know how we solve that. And it's unfortunately, that's not my area, but we really need to figure out how to uh, somewhere in this ecosystem, um, some great organization like Princeton University has to come <laughs> up with a, with a way to actually be able to get people to understand how the car works. Um, what the technologies can do what and what they can't do. Right? It, right. It's a, it's an enormous need. And, and of course, I think that's why I, I mentioned what I mentioned is that we have to, we have to make sure that we're clear from the beginning, you know, what it is that you're getting and what it's going to cost you or what the constraints are. And, and I'm sure that, that when these things get turned on to be able to let us have our hands off, feet off, eyes off, butt in, that, that you know, speed's going to be limited. I'm not going to be able to do 160 miles an hour on the, on, in, you know, in Princeton in my, in my, in my Mercedes. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine that the OEMs are going to put in there that, you know, something, I don't know if it's speed limit or speed limit plus nine, or, you know, we can argue about all those things, but, but it's, it's, it's a heck of a lot different than, you know, Oh, my speed limit, I want to take that needle, I mean, it's not even a needle anymore. It's 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 bits that that look like a needle over there to the the. What do you what about that? Uh, yeah, Russ? Elaine, that's that's actually one of the major issues in the regulatory environment that we're trying to get out. Um, we have for functional re, the functional requirements for um, ADS automated driving systems. There's about forty or so. One of which is that the vehicle shall, shall obey um, the traffic rules. Another is that the vehicle shall um, not interfere with the traffic flow. Now those two things, and everybody who's working on the regulations know that they're absolutely contradictory. Um, I cannot go drive on a typical um, open expressway at the speed limit without being a menace. Um, people, uh, even if I'm in the right lane and I'm dawdling along at 55 miles an hour, um, or even luckily 65 in some of the places, and people uh, behind me, they'll cut over, they'll get mad, uh, I'm a, a menace. And the regulators know that. We don't have a solution. And no, we're not gonna allow you to drive at whatever speed you want for sure. But I, I guess that something will be found out of how to handle the um, issues to allow the car to drive at the traffic flow, which may be a little over the speed limit, five to, to 10 miles an hour on an expressway. Um, some of the 40 mile an hour arterials, people drive 45, things like that. The ha we have to figure that out. It's an open issue, unsolved, handled. We have a, but we have a much bigger issue. Um, the regulations, the actual rules and regulations um, have some issues. A good example in the US, which I would guess 99% of the people do not know, is that there is difference in the red and the yellow light rules between states. Some states, the yellow light rule is you cannot enter the intersection when the light's yellow. Some of the states, the rule is that you have to execute the uh, exit the intersection before the yellow turns to red. Those are substantially different in driver behavior and how you do it. And um, that inconsistency in that problem starts to have a, a big problem. Then it gets um, added to by things. And I think if you read like Waymo, and Waymo is pretty proud that, that they haven't been at fault for hardly any accidents, but they've, done, they've had um, dozens of accidents where they've been hit from behind. And the poor guy 
who hit him from behind by current legislation is liable. He has to pay. He gets uh, his insurance docked. Um, he may actually get um, points on his license for, quote, following too close, all because the Waymo cars and some of the other automated driving robo-taxis that people are playing with in Silicon Valley um, stop too fast for what normal drivers do. And one of the things that we as well as understood in the regulatory environment is something has to be fixed about that. We cannot have um, products going out in the market that cause other people to have accidents um, that are essentially not at their fault. So these things are complicated. And I don't believe the regulations, despite other things that I keep reading about, the regulations are, are not going to hold up um, the technology. Um, the technology just isn't ready for a lot of these things. The regulation effort is truly intense. Um, I'm up at um, five or six o'clock my time, um, average of probably twice a week now since we're all doing virtual meetings for some um, UN regulatory meetings as we're working on these different subgroups and what we're doing. Um, and it will happen. But, but these are all pieces that have to be sorted out. And we can fix the regulations. Uh, we'll get those, I think, reasonably right. The car companies will get the technology right. I don't know how we get the education right and how we get even the, the writers um, who are supposed to be the industry experts that I see amazingly incorrect information that comes out for what are supposed to be the experts um, writing in, in various media pieces. Well, if, you know, the rest of the, the way, I mean, I've, I've sort of I've been talking about the same thing for for a while, you know the, this problem we we have a we have a technical capabilities and we have a sociological issue the the regulations and so on have to deal with both the technical and the sociological, and and so the the, the way I've I've characterized this this situation is I've even said we we need truth in our transportation regulations. Why is it truth is because the, the, the previous re regulations were written for human consumption. And if we're going to then be be the ones that are, that basically are asked to follow those regulations, we as humans, we may certainly not you, but certainly me, you know, I go off the reservation every once in a while and I get a little crazy and I, you know, I, you know, I just don't follow the rules. I don't stop completely at a stop sign. I, you know, I might even go through a, a little yellow. I, it was all, it was all, it wasn't even pink. Trust me, Russ, it wasn't even pink, uh, you know, and, 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 and I think that the rules are written so that in fact, there could be some human judgment. I don't think anybody ever wants, you shall never cross a double line. You shall never, I, you know, that's like ridiculous. Computers don't work that way. Computers are complete, as you well know, Russ. You write code. Yeah, Guess what? The damn code, boom. Like if say, it doesn't yeah. follow it perfectly, it is not good code. We we don't have random number generators in there and say, hey, maybe we'll do this if statement. You know, it doesn't. It, yeah, and and like I know, say, that's that's that that's is this, that th is this well-known conflict between the requirement that the vehicle shall follow the traffic rules and the vehicle shall not impede the traffic Absolutely. flow. And Absolutely. we know that and we will fix that. And, and that's not what I'm worried about. Those, those things you will think happen. that's fixable. Who, who, yes. who really, I mean, what does that look like just for speed limit? We know that we, the speed limit supposedly is set at 85% of whatever some distribution of what they do, 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 do with a recognition mm -hmm. that in fact, people are going to, are going to violate it. It says speed limit. I mean, look at the words that are used. They're as bad as the SAE level de definition, speed limit. 
I mean, just did speak on it. Well, I mean, you know, it's let's, like speed suggestion. I mean, yo, whatever the hell you want to do. I mean, you know, have a ball. I mean, let, I let's see how it sorts out. But I'm sure, like I say, the under the understanding is absolutely there that you cannot impact the traffic and that that's dangerous as well. So I'll do it. But the other side now, you I don't know if you read about it, but now um, city of Chicago has decided that it is going to start giving you tickets on its speed cameras at six miles an hour over the speed limit. Okay, great. I, th- I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. So that we all know. I mean, we need to know. Yeah, we the, need to, we'll we see. Need, there there are so to. many people that are arguing that it should stick at the yeah. 10 miles an hour that it used well, to be. Well, and, uh, and, and, I, who cares? And maybe, what? It, and maybe it will, but, but we will, there will have to be things sorted out yeah, but and, and the regulations will will handle it it will it will find the way that it can drive over the yellow line it will make absolutely sure that you don't stop too fast and get hit from behind yeah oh. no i i agree and that that is so important but i think that if there's going to be a speed camera and it says x miles an hour it better also have a sign there saying hey if you go epsilon greater than whatever you're going to get the ticket in the mail and don't we deserve to know that don't we'll be we giving deserve a lot of out-of-towners out tickets anyway yeah. yeah, I know. They nail me every time. I mean, every time I go to Vermont, I get tickets. I mean, they just sucker me. Never. <laughs> I've got a stop sign here for just one second. So sure. okay. we'll be we'll be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On their website, look for a white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, as you may know, can be a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with Russ Shields, CEO of RoadDB, and so much more if you've been listening. Uh, Russ, we appreciate that you were the moderator of the Smart Driving Car Summit session last week, which was titled, Can Level 3 Be Delivered? Maybe you can give our audience here a little bit of an assessment of, of uh, the takeaways from, from the summit panel or what you want to get across. Well, I think the first takeaway, and Elaine and I have had follow-up, is that there's utter confusion about what level three, level four, et cetera, means. The, the um, not only general public, but even, like I say, the writing public or what have you, don't understand the meaning. And I, I think um, that's an, an area that we're gonna have to work and fix. I'm convinced that there will be um, automated driving systems in regular series production vehicles starting sometime in about five years with automated operational design domains that start in expressways, but will move um, off to other things. And like I say, in the shorter term, there will already be the traffic jam assist type things up to 60 kilometers an hour that are already starting to come. Um, whether you call those level three or level four, um, I could care less. Care. Who cares? I, yeah. I, I think there, there's confusion on what they mean. And when I try to, to work through with SAE, um, they, they have more words and more words and more words. Um, basically, it means I can drive, uh, I can let the car drive for some period of time that is dependent on what it um, says, thinks it can do, and that that type of road, type of weather, um, do the all my sensors work, et cetera. Domain. The operational yeah. design domain, yeah. which is so key here, right? Yes, yes. that's all. Everything's built off the ODD. 
and 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 what I want to argue on that is that you have to have a, a licensed driver who is not inebriated, that who is capable of driving the vehicle, has to have his or her butt in the seat. That's um, the only other thing that I throw in there. Okay. They're not inebriated is an unfortunate <sighs> issue because we the regulations can make sure that the driver has the butt in the seat. Um, there should, we think, I certainly think, there ought to be regulations that require um, the uh, making sure that the driver is not um, able to drive, the person is not able to drive if they are impaired in some way. And that's, that's not only um, from uh, alcohol, yeah, but it's I, also from drugs or other things. Or but that's seizure a general, or whatever, you that's, know, yeah. That's yeah. a general issue um, that's separate from automated driving. And the position at this point is that from the automated driving regulators that I work with is that their job is to make sure that there's a driver there. It's somebody else's job, uh, possibly another part of the regulatory environment and some of the same people, but it's not in the automated driving, who, is that the person who's sitting in the seat is actually allowed to drive. And that's um, a independent issue that needs to get solved separately from uh, automated driving. But, but, but Russ, but Russ, I mean, I can put a five-year-old there. I mean, you know, we're talking about driving and we realize that, in fact, that the automated system is not yet good enough to take us. The ODD doesn't encompass the bar in my bedroom. OK, so it can't get me from the from 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 the watering hole to my bedroom the whole way. Yeah. Otherwise, then, you know, great, you know, no problem. The, the implication is that at some point, a human is going to have to do the driving. You've got to drive from A all the way to B. Yes. Okay. You know, and if it, and if the auto, and, and, and the, and, and, and these systems where it can do part of the way, fantastic. But if it can't do it all the way, then, then the rest of the way, has to be somebody that's capable. Otherwise, it's going to be a mess out there, right? Well, it's a mess out there now. Well, no, I understand. And, we're and, trying to and, fix it. We're trying to fix it. And, and I can, I can <laughs> tell you that I'm pretty sure that any automated driving product from a major vehicle manufacturer will recognize if it's a five-year-old kid in the seat. But whether it can recognize that the 18-year-old kid in the seat has a driver's license, no. Uh, that's, that's that going to be there. the police. I don't it, know, it's, I mean, but it's another problem. What do we I, do now? You've got, you've got, uh, we've got issues all the time of people yeah. who shouldn't be driving, um, who if, are if, driving. And yeah, that's, if, that's an issue that's got to get fixed. What, what, do, you, do you foresee Russ? Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, do you, do you, do you foresee a problem with you're saying in, in five years time, I'll be able to buy a vehicle that can essentially in many situations drive itself, but I have to be sitting there and, and, and paying attention the way that the, the vehicle is, is watching me. But we're human beings. And if I do that enough and I become so confident in the vehicle's ability are we going to stop paying attention even though we're supposed to be but, paying but, attention? But Fred, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the ability to not have to pay attention. We said eyes off, hands off, mm -hmm. feet off, but in mind who, who, you know, who knows? We do, it, it's not. I mean, that, that's, that's the real value proposition that I don't have to pay attention until I am 
warned until the play, until I get outside the ODD or approach the, the, the boundaries of the ODD, whatever that boundary happens to be, a storm moves in. I don't know. A tree so falls we, across the road. We, we're ahead. talking then know. about true. We're talking about uh, then true self-driving, but yeah, not sure. driverless. That's oh no, yeah. no, we have, no, that's what the butt in is, is, is right. to ensure. The, yeah. the, the, but in ensures that there's a human in there so that when you get out, get, approach the edge of the ODD, there's a responsible adult with a license that can take over and do the and, and, and get safely to the bedroom and to home. You know, I mean, what we would require anyway, if you were coming out of the watering hole and going home. Yeah. Without so, it, no. Yeah. So, Fred, I'd say two things. First of all, in five years, at best, it's going to be some. It's not going to be much yeah. or most or what have you. Yeah. I, I would be surprised even if 10 years, it's most yeah. um, for um, any reasonable price car anyway. Uh, it will but happen you and I would love step. some. You and I yes. would love some. Yes. They give us some in which we can text mm -hmm. without total anxiety about, holy hell, I got to pay attention to make sure the damn thing doesn't run off the road. Yeah, well. Man, but, holy hell, where's my wallet? I mean, Mercedes, here's all the I'll give you yeah. all the money. You can have it all. Yeah. Okay. But, no. But you, you, you bring up another interesting challenge that we haven't figured out. Um, the absolute intention in the automated driving system, the ADS, is that you're able to text. Now, how does the cop, policeman who's watching you go by, know that you're in automated mode um, and therefore doing the texting is okay while, instead of that you're driving yourself and you, you are violating the law by doing the texting? I, I, Russ, I argued this with NHTSA. I said, I even, I even say it with respect to cruise control. I think cruise control should have a little light on the car so that if your car is in cruise control and I am, uh, you know, just driving by you, I know what your driving mode is. It is an automated driving mode that is tended to keep speed constant unless the vehicle separation with the vehicle in front of you decreases to a point. That defines it. As opposed to you being not suggesting you drive this way, the normal depressed level, uh, keeping the depressed level of the gas pedal a certain way, such that you slow down going uphill, speed up going downhill, which is the way you know people drive. Okay, I th I've all I've argued. Oh man, and they tell me I'm like goofy. I think a cop should know if your car is in this mode. It should signal it somehow. Putting and, a little light on there, orange light. I don't make it. Yeah, well, so whatever you know, like a taxi on duty sign. Yeah, yeah, why we, not? Why? Why we? we why wouldn't? Why wouldn't you want to let other people we, know we without buying you know two billion dollars worth of ITS hardware communication that that's going to get whatever you know? The issue that we don't know how to handle is the the kind of easy visual thing is that people will use that as a basis to to play um there are enough people driving in the u.s who would if they saw that uh, a light that says this car was in automated drive mode they would think oh that's neat let's just cut in front of it and slam on the brakes and see what it happens or are the pedestrian who would see oh this car's coming along in automated driving let's jump in front of it um to, I, to I know what it's coming does. alan alan's got the word misbehavior on his <laughs> russ russ i think one of the i think one of the beauties i think of what you're doing and what you're doing with in europe and what europe is doing is they're basically saying look folks this is traveling in vehicles is serious business and there, there's been a lot of misbehavior in the past, cutting in front of people, going through red lights, speeding, tailgating, dr driving while you're drunk. Stop. 
Okay, you're trying to get someplace. All right, cut it out. Because you know, if 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 we don't drop the hammer on this misbehavior, I mean, none of this can ha- the, the 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 technology can't be smart enough to outsmart some misbehaving entity. Okay, it can't. I don't. We, I I mean, I we, I, we I, have to. Like I say, that's it's a known issue. Um, again. There's lots of discussions. It's in both WP29 and WP1. And there's obviously a part of it that says, well, an easy thing would be to use um, vehicle to police communications so that the uh, police with the proper uh, authorization can go quiz the vehicle um, and say, are you in a driving automated driving mode or not? something like that will happen, but it's going to take some time. And it is one of these many issues that makes these things hard. And that I think the the kinds of things where people are slopping around and saying, Oh, I'm going to put out this stuff and I'm going to do this. And I'm not very careful. uh, is just bad. Well, well, you know, this coming Thursday in the summit, okay, we're going to deal with insurance and, and, you know, for, I guess years now, I've been saying, uh, lots of others have been saying the insurance industry should lead here. Okay. I think that, I think one of the things that the insurance industry should do is if I go mess around with my automated system that I've put in there or my collision avoidance system, and I start clipping some wires or whatever, or disabling the, the, uh, the speed um, uh, controls on it and uh, the speed governor or the, the, the breath later that determines whether or not I'm drunk. If I, if that is done to my car, insurance company should say, Hey, it's your problem. You know, I could, your I could, coverage, I could, your coverage is gone. Okay? I can hear Flo saying that now. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Flow and flow and the, and the get go should say that you misbehave. It's your nickel. Okay. You'll do that once. Then we're done with you. Okay. Now that is, you know, that, but that's what the insurance industry can do. Because, in fact, the insurance industry is the one that is out there sort of saving our butts when we go misbehave and we go run into somebody and so on, that we don't just have economic collapse because of it, because they pick up the tab. Now, we may not be able to, we may have to pay 10 times the insurance rate next year, who knows what, and we'll game some other thing. I don't know. But they've got to step up and do that and make us behave because, damn it. I don't. I don't think technology can help us there, Russ. If, you know, if we continue to miss, you know, we're yeah, shooting like ourselves said, in the foot here. We, we have these pieces, or in and the, they say the. I, I'm very pleased that around the world, the regulators know um, most of these issues and know that uh, for the automated driving thing, something has to happen. They are pretty sure that they are not able to handle some of these issues that are political issues um, that they would like to do. I don't know a major traffic authority that would not like to require some kind of uh, impairment um, device uh, mandated in vehicles. Absolutely. But the political will, um, their boss's boss's boss who got elected, isn't ready to do that. Of course uh, they're not. And there's there's been certainly progress. Some countries like France substantially cut down the drunk driving by uh, implementing very strong regulations. But they still were not able to, even though the um, transport ministry wanted to, they were not able to get a regulation that would have actual testing for impairment and why should why should insurance companies honor their 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 agreement with you if why isn't it as part of uh, they can sell you two insurance policies one in which you can misbehave and drink whatever and it's not in there and another one that you can't 
and price those. Well, that's, okay? that's, that's what and we're talking about Thursday is incentivizing okay? the technology. Well, yeah. I incentivize. You want, you want to be bailed out because you misbehaved, then you pay this premium. Damn it, why are you asking me to inc- pay a greater premium on mine when I'm not going to misbehave? It's unfair to me. Sorry. Insurance should, this is capitalism, private sector, profitability, all that stuff. Why aren't they at the table? Well, the insurance people have, have a <laughs> different issue. Yeah, Partially, they, easy, they, 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 they just make money. They go to the club. I mean, did you ever see a, an insurance agent that didn't look like he was like Mr. and Mrs. Rich Guy and Rich Gal? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why one of the major business of the Warren Buffett is automobile insurance. Yeah, no, uh, I, I understand. We understand all that, Russ. But, I mean, damn but it. The issue, the issue that they have um they can they can have a structure that tries to um, increase premiums for um, different people based on different conditions, um, subject to local control and all kinds of things that says, well, you're redlining, uh, that's not fair, um, so therefore we won't allow you to to pay attention to um, people's. Uh, race or where they live or what have you and a whole bunch of other political things. But they also are not allowed to say, um, we will sell you a policy that if you misbehave, we don't cover you because the concern is the other person that you hit. And no insurance regulator that I've ever talked to is willing to do anything that would allow um, some insurance company for the driver who is driving impaired um, hitting somebody else that that insurance isn't covered by what they by the the basic minimum insurance requirements that they I, that, I, that exist I, and what have you. I agree one hundred percent. Okay. Well, I, I so, thought so, I thought wait, 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 Fred, 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 let me let ahead, me let me please let me. I agree 100 percent with Russ said with respect to the liability aspects of who I hit. But if I have collision insurance and if I'm in uh, if I lose both of my legs. It's on me. They don't cover me. And if it's okay. a major, if it's a major item, they'll probably they probably will fight it. If they can, if they can prove that you were well, they, impaired, um, and you're it's they, for, they, for the regular collision payment, mostly they're not going to mess with it. It's not enough money each case to buy. If there's a big personal liability for you as the as the the driver or your family as passenger. Um, they they will probably fight that as uh, an issue. If, well, that, if, that, if that is true, Russ, if mm-hmm. that is, and I don't, I don't doubt that it's not true, it, that being true, they should make that very clear. Whenever the get-go and whatever the, whenever Flo uh, get on TV, they should make it clear. Read, they should read, make it, read, uh, read the fine print of your yeah, automobile no, I know, policy. Dan, no, don't make that. You know I'm not going to do that. You, Russ, you know <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. I know, that. but, I know, but, I but mean, it is there. And, I, and I, whether they should advertise it or not, that's a that's a public policy issue. Well, um, I don't know. Or, I think it's it's a truth. It's the truth in what you buy and sell. If you want if you want to if you want coverage for your misbehavior or for whenever you somehow, you know, lose it, then, then you should pay more for that. If if you're going to be careful and if you're not going to lose it, you shouldn't have to pay more. Okay. Well, ha- I don't one want or that more, coverage. Haven't one or more companies uh, use the ODB port for a device that reports back to the insurance company, what your behavior yeah, is. But, you know, you that, but, yeah, but that only works it. for a while. And then, and then, you know, people go on dry. That's only, you know, that's, yeah, and, that's and, just to classify the person. Fred, that that's logically better. But there's a the most states in the U.S. and many other 
countries are very careful about that because the reality is the people who would go use such a device are ones who would get a lower rate. So that means the people who don't use the device have to be charged a higher rate, but the insurance companies aren't, aren't able to get the regulators to do it. So what's been happening is that there's been a limited amount of cherry picking for companies that are not major insurance companies in the automobile space to be working on providing that kind of a product um, and taking, taking the good um, insurance risk away from the mainline insurance companies. And that's going to, that, that I expect will blow up as a political problem in another five or 10 years as more of the people understand that they can stop using Allstate or State Farm or whoever, and they can go get a, a, a lower rate if they're a really good um, customer and leave the Allstates and State Farms with much higher risk pool and need for much higher rates that um, politically they can't get, et cetera. So it's, it's a, one of those things that, um, again, the insurance companies would be absolutely delighted if um, regulations would come mandated. That would solve their problem. Uh, the big traditional insurance companies would be delighted if everybody had to have um, the appropriate driver monitoring and that their insurance rates would be um, based on what they actually do um, and not some wild guess. But again, nobody's, nobody's come forward politically being willing to mandate that, just like they won't mandate breathalyzers or other other kinds of things. That's well, we're going to have more on the whole insurance <laughs> issue on, on Thursday, yeah. Thursday, and that's at noon Eastern time. And it's live. Once again, you can get more information about registering at smartdrivingcar.com. Russ, we really want to thank you for taking the time with us. I mean, just uh, your, your encyclopedic, I think it would be the correct word. Just says I've been around too long. <laughs> uh, Russ, it's a real pleasure uh, uh, having a chat with you this afternoon. Um, we always have fun. These are these are very very challenging issues, and I guess you're in the same boat that I am. I guess we're doing this because we think it's it's really good for society. It's it's actually good for the auto industry. It's good. It's good for everybody that, that in fact, you know, we, we, we have an opportunity for these systems to serve us even better and to be safer. And also that we really get them to work to provide mobility for everybody. So my goodness, um, you know, there's, there's fundamental value to society that I think we're creating in all this, at least I know that that's, that's why you're in it. That's why I'm in it. So, you know, we continue yeah. to struggle forth. Very well, good, Elaine. I look forward to one of these days being able to have our um, lunch in Geneva, um, an old town that um, we lost because of the start of the COVID-19. Yeah. Well, issues. you know, last year, the half of it was live, but, you know, I, I, I you know, I think um, Swiss Air still has my money for my ticket that, you know, <laughs> you know, said we couldn't go. I don't know, whatever contributed to Swiss Air, who knows, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, mm -hmm. we certainly do want to get back together and, and, but we'll do it virtually this year. And, um, and, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. Okay. We're doing okay. What we can. Thank you again, Russ. And uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. And you can find more information at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcast. And your smart speaker can play us too if you ask. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and please continue to stay safe. And thank you, and thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>